Hey guys, this is Lucretia Lyon, a.k.a. Mrs. Brightside, and I'm here to give you a little intro. Starting to get a little bit more professional here on the podcast. Today we have Megan Salinas, uh, who is my Ash vs. Evil Dead after show co-host there at After Buzz TV. And she's talking about, of course, the bright side of horror. We've got that, maybe a little theme song you might recognize, as well as a special shout-out to my first review. All that and more coming up on Mrs. Brightside. Mrs. Brightside is sponsored by Good Beer. It's good. Beer that is Mrs. Brightside. Uh, open up the curtains, look outside. What's outside? It's Mrs. Brightside. Beer that is Mrs. Brightside. Uh, open up the curtains, look outside. What's outside? It's Mrs. Brightside. All right, you are listening to Mrs. Brightside, and this week I've got a lady in the house. It is Megan Salinas, and yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm definitely a woman. I don't know about a lady. Oh, though. yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially because we're going to talk about the bright side of horror. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think that actually more people. More ladies like horror than people think. At least more that I know. I mean, I know we've got um, Chauncey and Michelle that we also work with. They're yeah. big horror nuts. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it, it's funny. I think about the fandoms that I'm in, and I think a lot of them are stereotypically male-oriented, but I think to myself, I was like, most of the people I know who are fans are women. And I don't know if that's just because I of like the circles I run in or what the case is, but like most of the women I know who who like I don't know, like Transformers or anime, it's like I run into more lady fans of those things than I do male fans of those things. So I don't know. Yeah, like that's sort of the thing is I felt I growing up, I was one of the only girls that liked horror, but I was also one of the only kids allowed to watch horror. So like it was a little different. Same thing with fandoms, like you say, like Buffy and, you know, comic books and things like that. Growing up, I was one of the only girls, but when I met guys, you know, guys, girls like you and Katie and all these other people, it's like, oh, good. Like, finally some girls to talk about this stuff with. Yeah, for sure. And especially when it comes to horror, because it actually took me a long time before, because I was always, like, intrigued by horror when I was a kid. Um, Like, it was something that I was always drawn to, but also equal parts terrified of, because... One, I guess we'll talk about it here because yeah. we're talking about the bright side. But like something, a barrier that was always there was that it was scary. Like, and when you're a kid, you know, and the lights go off at night, you know, something could come out of your closet, someone could come out from underneath your bed. Those are real tangible things when you're a kid. So watching movies and TV shows where, like, they stimulate that part of your imagination, that wasn't something I was super open to, but, like... When you come across something a little bit more palatable for kids, like Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark, like, that's the gateway drug sort of thing. <laughs> oh, if only Are You Afraid of the Dark was my gateway drug. My dad, <laughs> oh, no. like, let us watch whatever we wanted. And usually it was what he wanted, which was, like, sick-ass horror stuff. <laughs> like, and we like, loved Are You Afraid of the Dark. That was our only family-friendly one. <laughs> 
picturing like tiny Megan is like looking from behind the couch at Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps and like occasionally hiding in the hall when it gets a little too scary um, and then like peeking out when like the the music calms down a little bit. Meanwhile, your dad's like, hey guys, we're going to watch Hellraiser 3. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Yes, that was of course on our list. Um, Like I, I remember like for the first and second grade talent show, my little brother sang Man Behind the Mask, He's Back, um, the Alice Cooper theme song from Friday the 13th, part six. First and second grade talent show. <laughs> that is amazing. The funny thing is, you would think that I would have been the one that was more scared. No, I would screw with him, and so would our mom, like, even, like, mess with him, because he was always terrified. Like, Jason and stuff didn't scare him, but, like, Child's Play and whatever, because we had, like, a Chucky doll. Oh, man, I just remember messing with him with that doll, and I was terrible. Uh, if, if, if it makes you him feel better, <laughs> not you, because yeah. you were tormenting him, but if it makes him feel better, um, I actually, talking about like child's play specifically, mm. my great-grandma, when I was a kid, um, she had red hair, <laughs> and so when she was young, her mom walked seven miles to find and purchase a doll for her Aww. that had red hair, and so when my great-grandma was in a home, she gave it to me and told me that story. And one day we had to bring in, uh, for, for class, we had to bring in an antique that had a story. And I was like, that's such a cool story. I'll bring in the doll my grandma gave me. Mm-hmm. And so before I, I, I bring it in, mm-hmm. and before I even get a chance to say anything, freaking one of my classmates in the front row goes, that doll looks like Chucky. <laughs> and I was just like, no, it doesn't. And then from that point on... That night, when I'm looking at the doll after the lights are out, I'm like, it does look like Chucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't look at it the same after that. <laughs> yeah, like, and that is the thing, is that scares most kids. I will admit, the, the few movies that scare me are all, like, things that really could happen, at least. Like, oh. The Birds terrifies me and Lake Placid. And, and Lake, <laughs> wait, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Okay. <laughs> I know, everyone always laughs. You're going to have to qualify. Okay, that. so where I'm from, there are alligators in the lake. Yes, and, that makes um, sense. So that's way more likely than a, you know, Jason Voorhees. So, like, that was the thing. Is I'm the, like, yeah. The undead zombie man who, after you impale him, he gets back up and yeah. comes after you with a machete. Yeah, like, that... Not that likely. I mean, my, my brother would play Jason. Like, he would chase me around. That's why my cousin quit babysitting us, because, like, I put him in her truck, like, and locked him in there. Like, <laughs> shut him in the window, and he was Jason. I'm like, oh, that's how we play. <laughs> but, like, Lake Placid, like, alligators have always terrified me, because mm-hmm. one time me and my brother were really little, and we got to go on the swamp boat, and you think it's cool, but we were, like, eating the marshmallows. They're like, you're supposed to feed the alligators. Why would we do that? Why are we here? Like, we're, like, freaking out. We're like, oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to agree. In terms of like the stuff that really gets under my skin and really scares me as opposed to entertains me is is definitely the stuff where it hits too close to home where it's like oh this is this is absolutely a thing that could happen um i'll give you an example when i was in college and i would drive home on the weekends to uh, my hometown is out in the middle of nowhere and i would take this uh like I would get off the freeway and get onto this windy road and I swear every single time my cell phone coverage would completely drop to like zero 
And I would be just like, I just really hope to God that one of these days, the squatters that live off of this weird side highway <laughs> don't just decide one day to lay barbed wire across the road and go, all the hills have eyes on me. Well, and the hills have eyes is probably more likely where I'm from, being East Texas rather than um, SoCal, but... <laughs> well, it was the, it was yeah. out the middle of nowhere oh, no. in the it's desert. Still, yeah, there's still plenty of, like, rednecky places here I've found, but it is always funny, like, because, yeah, I'm like, I probably should have been more scared of that movie because I look like my relatives, but <laughs> <laughs> no one one of these days I will write a horror movie about that road because yeah. every time I drove down it I was like I'm gonna die this is the road I die on <laughs> like that's just what's gonna happen oh that's funny like I remember you know we were in high school by then and so I took my friends to this graveyard we used to play on like and we it was nicknamed Werewolf Lane it was this creepy old graveyard <laughs> and these guys are such pussies they didn't even want to get out of the car and I'm like seriously it's not even if it's a ghost like because I believe in ghosts and play Ouija boards I'm like it's not going to do anything to us quit being such pansies (laughs) now I will say that Ouija boards do get under my skin a little bit because I was raised Catholic oh yeah and so like whenever I talk to somebody casually about them playing with a Ouija board and them casually going oh yeah and I forgot to close the door on the my you know when when my session was done and then my apartment was haunted I'm like are you insane what is you deserve everything you get <laughs> because you were a dumb white person playing with a Ouija board. Oh yeah, I was definitely a dumb white person <laughs> playing with a Ouija board. Actually, my brother even went through what he calls his Crowley phase, where he was really into Aleister Crowley when he was a teenager, and he's believed that his house was haunted after that because <laughs> I let dark things into my soul. <laughs> So it's not just my fault. I didn't even live there whenever he was in high school doing that, but I, I probably didn't help scaring him and terrifying him as a child. But he was more scared of the witch in Snow White and the witch in um, uh, Wizard of Oz than he was any horror movie. You know yeah. what I find interesting? Like, Because, uh, again, I didn't get into horror until a little later. The witch from the Wizard of Oz never scared me, But I and, and same with Snow White. But I come, I've come to realize, getting older... That a lot of people were. Yeah. And, like, that confused me. I was like, really? That was something that scared you? Well, it probably didn't help that my mom dressed up as a witch from The Wizard of Oz when he was really little. Uh, and, and, um, <laughs> that was just yeah. a, a trauma then that like, <laughs> yeah. got pushed to the back of his mind. I think so. But it, <laughs> but it is funny what scares us because everyone always laughs when I'm like, you know, the scariest movie is the birds. And people are like, okay, yeah. And then I'm like, Lake Placid. <laughs> and then they're like, the Bill Pullman movie? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I do love the ending with Betty White feeding the little I ones. I mean, that that's pretty hysterical. It's a funny movie, but it's also terrifying if you grew up around lakes that there were alligators and we're always afraid of being eaten. Yeah, I I have to agree. Um, Definitely the stuff where it's like like that was my childhood was Mm. things where that's a real and present danger. Uh, That's scary. Like um, something like The Strangers is way, or like Funny Games is way scarier um, than, than like, um, Leatherface to me because like I'm I'm the likelihood of a, a mania a cannibal maniac running around with a chainsaw that that's not high on my list of things that's probably gonna happen to me a jerk with no motive like just going eeny meeny miny you that I buy 
See, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre being from Texas, even though it's based on Ed Gein, who's from Wisconsin, guys. You know, and also, me, he, you did, know. he didn't even kill that many people, whatever. It's exactly. Fine. He's more I of know. a grave robber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, like Leatherface is more likely because he's probably like my Uncle Jim or something. But, <laughs> but like for you growing up here, what was what terrified you? Was it like stuff like Jaws? Because, or, you know. Um, I will see Jaws yeah. never really. I didn't watch Jaws until I was like in middle school. Oh, yeah. So it didn't really scare me that much um i will say though uh i grew up in the water though like uh, my family because i we lived in the desert and so every opportunity my parents got we would go to the lake um and so yeah i was never i was never really afraid of like the creature from the black lagoon or jaws (laughs) or anything like that although one time we went to the lake and i i don't know why I think there were like these petroleum deposits or something. There were, maybe it was just build up from like um, sea dew and boat exhaust or something like that. But there were these weird gel deposits on the beach. And of course, we're sitting here going like, oh, what's all this? And we're like poking them. And my mom pointed out, she's like, we're the dumb people in the horror movie that like right before the blob happens. And I'm like, yes, mother, that is exactly what we're doing. Why are you all touching it? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, because I always hear people being like, afraid of Jaws, and I'm like, you are aware that a shark can only get you in the ocean, and like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, that's not that scary to me, so I'm glad, like, even growing up here, you're like, yeah, no, the, I'm smart enough to know. The only time I was, like, genuinely afraid of um, of a shark, quote-unquote, getting me is one time when I was on vacation with my friend, uh, we, we were at the beach, and there was this, like, trampoline off, just off of the shore. Like, it was one of those trampolines in water where, like, you go and you jump on it, and, and then you jump into the ocean, whatever. Um, and it was nighttime, and we decided to swim out to it and, you know, hang out there and then swim back. Swimming in the ocean at night, yeah, yeah that was the one time I'm like, Freaking Jaws is going to come and get me. Like, this This is how I die. <laughs> I survived the, the road home. I survived Garlock Road. This is how I die, getting eaten by Jaws in Mexico. That's dumb. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. My mom always said that was the only time she was afraid of scuba diving was when they did the night dive, and she was like, oh, yeah, and she did it in, Mex- in Cozumel, so, like, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I don't think you're any more likely to get eaten at night than at the day. I think there's just something primal about like the fear of a predator at night. Yeah, because honestly, from what I understand, it's actually less likely to happen at night because that's not really their feeding time. Um, like now, you're I need far to watch more Shark likely Week. to do yeah. it in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're like, wee! Yeah. And splashing around. <laughs> exactly. And they're less likely to be sometimes in deeper oceans or whatever, depending on where you're at, than the right up at the shore with everybody. And yeah. you're like, oh, that's freaky. I think it was uh, before I ever saw Jaws too. Like I think somebody had mentioned, like you know, misconceptions about sharks. Like they don't even like to eat people. No. Uh, like the number of deaths caused by sharks, you know, in a year is less than other animals, like hippopotamuses you or know? alligators. Yeah. 
That is a legit problem, people. <laughs> Mostly because people just decide they want to poke them or they don't see them hanging out underneath the water. Well, because they can get you in water and land. Yeah. That's what's scary. Yeah. It's like, you, you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Dual terrain. Uh. Yeah, when you grow up close to Louisiana, it's scary. Uh, yeah. That's the thing is the shark's never going to yeah. get you on land uh, yeah. unless you, you hear a knock at the door and it's like a candy gram. Yeah. Then you have a, a shark problem. Well, but. I mean, sharks apparently can be swept up in a tornado um, <laughs> and attack you that way. They're, we're like six ones in, and the new one's about time travel, and if they don't call it Legends of Sharknado, they are missing an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> you, every series gets to a point where time travel eventually, right? Time they travel or space? Yeah. I know. I actually, they probably will do Sharknado in space next time. Oh, that would be awesome. I'm surprised the time travel happened before space. Yeah, because I mean, we had Jason X, you know, before Jason time travels. But let's face it, I think we need that. <laughs> now, when is Freddy gonna be time traveling through dreams? I do. That's a good question. That's a good question because, like, I keep thinking of like the the fourth Hellraiser movie where that one was in space, but a good chunk of the movie took place in the past. It wasn't time travel specifically, but it was weird to make a space piece uh, also a period piece. Like that that was very odd. Yeah, the Hellraiser movies are really fun uh, because they're just messed up, and a lot of it was like this is basically what Fifty Shades of Grey would be like. You know, if that turned out a little bit darker than it. Was. Probably the real Fifty Shades of Grey. Ramp up the, uh, you know, tone down the nonsense romance and just crank up the torture. Yeah. <laughs> the, in, in some cases, the literal torture porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, torture porn. My brother actually has a really good joke. Um, why do you think that Pinhead was the leader of the Cenobites? Why? Because he made a lot of good points. But don't. <laughs> Uh, I know, I should get sound effects for this thing. I need a soundboard. Yeah, I'm like, that was a cute joke. He actually thought of that just last week, I think. I mean, that's probably a pun Freddie would be proud of. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, speaking of, like, puns, like, I'm, you know me. I, like, I groan and I facepalm whenever we're on a show together and somebody makes an egregious pun. Um, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Usually it's uh, someone that won't, I'm not going to name any names, Lucretia. <laughs> but um I I came to realize that like for some reason even though I'm like er puns are not my my sense of humor when Ash does them oh, yeah. when Freddy does them and then what I realized when the crypt keeper does them I'm like <laughs> why do these guys get a pass in my book I'm like oh you whenever they do it why is that because they're so damn charming <laughs> they are I, I mean like I love Freddy and I love the Crypt Keeper, but like I have just always had a special place in my heart for Ash and I always miss Bruce Campbell. It's like we just ship sailing in the night, always One day. missing him. I know. One day. Because he is so cool. I know we, we do he, the Ash versus Evil Dead show together. <laughs> he is a gift to the world. Like, um, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say um, when when I walked into I, when I walked in tonight, I was like, I wonder how long it's gonna take us to to bring up Bruce Campbell. Yeah. I bet not very long. I will admit this is longer than I thought it would be. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, I try to contain myself because how much I love Bruce. Like, have you seen Bubba Hotep too? Right? Oh yes, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, and that one is one of my favorites. And I'm so pissed that Don Coscarelli, I love you, dude. I'm sorry my older brother annoyed you at uh, Frightmare, but, well, you know, my little brother's still cool. But, yeah, like, Don, you know, because Phantasm is one of Jared's favorite franchises, you know, and that was always cool to do, and that's more of his passion. But I'm like, dude, Bubba Hotep. It was supposed to be, like, Bubba Nosferatu after, because it's such a funny movie. Well, and didn't... It's been years since I've seen it, but at the end of the credits, didn't it say Bubba Hotep will return? And Bubba Nosferatu. Yeah. And then, then it never happened. And I'm like, oh, uh, come on. That's like, so upsetting. If I, if I see him this year, I'm going to be like, hey, I can help you crowdfund this. Let's make this happen. <laughs> like, I mean, they'll obviously have to recast Ozzy, but, um, you know, it, it will be funnier because it's like, okay, we just need another old black guy to think he's JFK. I mean, right. that's, again, sort of leaning into the joke. They, yeah. they gave me plastic surgery again. No. You know, it's it's all a big conspiracy. Exactly. I mean, then we saw, like, Wet Hot American Summer even had to put Adam Scott in Bradley Cooper's face and just, like, can do you think people can tell if I got plastic surgery because Bradley <laughs> wasn't available? Like, and it was like, yeah, do it in a funny way and honor Ozzy. That'd be great. But, yeah, yeah, in a way that pays respect. Yeah. Ugh, man, but yeah, that movie's gold. I know. I, I tell everybody who hasn't seen it, you have to see it. Because it's, it's Bruce Campbell and Ozzie Davis, and they are Elvis and JFK in this um, nursing home. So, like, already, because I love old people, as y'all saw me drop an F-bomb on the Legend Show, and I said, I fucking love the Golden Girls. Like, <laughs> yeah, believe me, we can cuss on this show. I'll like it explicit, whatever. But, yeah, like, I love old people's stories. Those are the only romantic comedies I like. So Bubba Hotep was, like, gold. And then to have it be as ridiculous a concept and be about, you know, mummies, stealing old souls. Hilarious. Uh, Actually, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, Today, one of my friends brought up uh, a Facebook memory from five years ago. (laughs) We we had, uh, have you ever heard of Grampires? No, but this sounds like something I need to watch. R.L. Stein's Grampires. It was like something... You know how he had a couple series after Goosebumps, like the the Haunting Hour and things like that? I want to say it was a Haunting Hour Mm. um, special that they did. Um, But a couple years ago, when I was still working um, at NBC... Uh, this was like my early, early days there. They used, uh, G4 was still around and they had oh, a free yeah. shelf. And so I would swing by the free shelf like once a day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that they dropped on the free shelf at one point was the DVD for Grampires. And both me and my friend, we were like, we have to see this. And so we grabbed it and we sat down and we had a drinking game for Grampires five years ago today. And <laughs> Starring Christopher Lloyd as the grandpire. Why have I never seen this or even heard of it? What happened? I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but there is a thing called Grandpires starring Christopher Lloyd. It exists. You're welcome. I know. I'm like, um, fuck this podcast. Let's just watch that. I'm like, all right, guys, we're done. I'm we're wrapping up. It. We're yeah. wrapping up early. <laughs> We've got to take a detour real quick. Yeah, because as I say, I love like old people stuff. I don't know why. I guess it's because my grandparents were always around and they were amusing because they were always fighting. <laughs> yeah, I know that's terrible. <laughs> But yeah, like, and, you know, I guess growing up in horror movies, there was always, like, creepy, fun old people, like the tall man, or, you know, like, Ash has now become the old guy. But uh, in a little bit of a different way, because he's still, quote-unquote, the hero protagonist. 
guy who the story happens to be about (laughs) while he gets many, many innocent people killed in his way. Um, How many Lindas are going to have to go, bro? uh, I mean, what are we on now? Like four, five? I think so. I I, I noticed that Michelle Hurd is not in the cast for season three. I'm like... No, she was my no. favorite Linda. She's married to one of my favorite character actors, Garrett Dillahunt. She was great. Yeah. Oh, um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> we could talk about Bruce all day We long. definitely yeah. could. Um, but I, I do want to ask, like, obviously your dad introduced oh. you to horror, um, but, like, it's something that a lot of people shy away from. What is it about horror that keeps you coming back for more? Well, I am clearly a messed up human being um, from that upbringing. And I guess because I I feel like, you know, it's nostalgic, brings me to my childhood. So, like, of course, like the It, you know, remake was really good. And I was so glad to see it. Even though I don't normally like remakes, um, I really enjoyed, like, the Friday the 13th remake. Because I even know some people who were in it. And, of course, got Jared Padalecki. Come on. And um, I thought Derek was great. Yeah. 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 Derek Mears was a really good Jason. Like, he's he's such a good actor. Yeah. Um, he doesn't get yeah. nearly enough credit. Yeah, because he was even on Twin Peaks. But, yeah, that's the thing is I grew up watching stuff like Twin Peaks, X-Files, everything. You know, Buffy, all of this stuff was always there. So I almost feel weirder to watch shows that don't have blood and guts. That's why Santa Clarita Diet, I'm a big comedy fan. Oh, my God. You can combine disgusting zombie stuff with a sitcom. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. everything I wanted. <laughs> yeah, and that's what Ash vs. Evil Dead is, and, and that whole franchise. And I love the Hatchet series. Um, I actually know Perry Shin, and we had him on Horror Movie News like to talk about that, because the Victor Crowley had just come out. Have I was going to say, have you seen it? Yeah. I uh, I was actually at the premiere. Oh, wow. Uh, well, here's the thing. This And this is really cool, no. um, is that they didn't advertise it as the premiere they advertised it as the 10th anniversary, anniversary screening. screening yeah um and so i applied as silver screams i was like oh hey that'll be a cool thing um so i applied as silver screams and i i got a buddy of mine um i was like hey you want to be my cameraman and see a free movie i'll buy you dinner and he was like okay yeah sure and then instead of the screening it was hatch it was the, the premiere of hatchet Crowley, yeah and um, it was really fun. I was like, this is beautiful because the people who are here are, one, the cast and the crew and everybody who's been a part of this franchise, but everybody else who's here bought a ticket thinking they were just going to watch a, a movie they thought it, they had seen a million times. Like, yeah. And they went out to the theater to support it anyway because they loved it so much and they were rewarded with the premiere of the next entry in the franchise and it's like that's cool well and that's what I love about horror is you know same thing with a lot of like the sci-fi and you know when you get more deep in this genre these people typically are very loyal to their fans as I say I'm you know my family goes to Texas Frightmare Weekend every year I mean we see the same people they remember you this these are good people. They care about their fans because it's not always the biggest thing in the zeitgeist. Although now with Get Out and like It and stuff, it, it's getting there. But the same thing is like you have stuff like the Hatchet franchise that was going on when horror was not a big thing at all. And it's it was a it's a fun like Evil Dead type franchise where it's a little bit of comedy, a little bit of horror, and it features so many little Easter eggs and characters and actors from other things. And that's what I love is. Yeah. You know, Kane Hodder is Victor Crowley, who was just played Jason more times than anybody. And uh, 
it, it's one of those things where that franchise in particular, that was a franchise that was coming out when all of the reboots were happening. Yeah. And, and it was an original. Originality for, for anything in the horror genre that wasn't a remake of a Japanese horror movie that had come before it or a reboot of a franchise from the 80s that didn't do justice to the series it was rebooting. Like, yeah, like all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> it was, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, hey, here's this one new thing. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it great to have something new and original? Well, and two, as I say, like all the little Easter eggs, like Tony Todd, and oh um, you have like Danielle Harris, and all these people, and Felissa from Sleepaway Camp is in Victor Crowley, and um, I love, they even make a joke about, you know, oh, and I don't have a dick, but it wasn't her character, it was another one, and then they're all looking around like, and I'm like, oh my god, I love this. <laughs> uh, it was really cool being in the, the crowd for the premiere for that, because everybody, again, who was there, anytime a cameo was happening, people would just start clapping because it's like we know that person yeah. we know them <laughs> well and two to have someone like Perry be the leading man in Victor Crowley is so great for Asian actors everywhere like, you never yeah. see yeah. that and and even kind of to contrast it with the first entry in the franchise uh, you know <laughs> it wasn't exactly great for Asian representation yeah. in entry number one. Well, because he even talks about how, like, he chose to switch the accent again so that it didn't seem like it was a joke. Yeah. 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 And so it was it was really cool seeing him as the protagonist, yeah. because when was the last time you remember there being an Asian lead for a horror movie when it wasn't strictly from like a, a Korean or a Japanese horror movie. Yeah, and those are always great. But yeah, how awesome is it to see this is an American franchise, you know, having him lead? Because, I mean, he is American. And we, we do look different. That's yeah. the beauty of this country. And now you have him with Victor Crowley and then Steve Yoon in Mayhem, which is Joe Lynch, who's a big, you know, a friend of Adam Green. So it's good to see that what they're doing for diversity. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we could definitely probably talk about Get oh, Out yeah. and uh, and the, the wonder and the wonder yeah. that is Jordan Peele being behind the the next incarnation of the Twilight Zone. Oh my like, God, I've been talking about that since I read the news. I'm so happy that this is happening because that's me and my brother, one of our favorite shows of all time. He has the whole complete series because I bought it farm for christmas like last year and i'm like yeah <laughs> what's your favorite episode oh god like it's so hard because i try to think about like what really spoke to me and i think it was like the the one where the guy um is alone and he's like at least i have my books and then his glasses there was I, time now no, no. <laughs> And, like, I guess I relate to that guy so much because I'm, like, I feel like once you have everything, you're going to, like, n you know, not be able to use it or not appreciate yeah. it. Like, and, you know, someone who's always, like, striving for more, more, more. I'm, like, I could always relate to that episode probably the most. And I was, like, the one with the creepy little kid who was, like, could do uh, oh, it's, anything with it's his mind. I'm like, like, I'll send you scary. to the cornfield. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, okay, is he killing these kids? Like, that was it's, always so dark to me. It's, <laughs> it's a good thing yeah. that you sent them away. What was his name? Like Timmy? <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> Everything is good. <laughs> yeah, like that one's so freaky. Well, How about you? Um oh gosh. Uh it's it's it is hard to pick. There are so many iconic episodes. Um I I really like uh there was 
Oh, gosh, what's the one where the guy is just taking a walk and he ends up kind of walking back in time and um, and seeing his childhood? It's not one of the scarier ones. It's super nostalgic, um, but it's it's just one of those things where it's like appreciate what you have and have a little perspective on your life. Um, as far as the scary ones go, I kind of liked... Um, there was one with wax figures where oh, these yeah. wax figures were killing people. There's the mannequin one. Uh, that one's creepy. Yeah. Oh. I'm getting chills like talking about it. But that's, that's, again, when people go, I don't like horror, like that's, it's kind of a knee-jerk reaction for me to go, so you don't like relevant social commentary? Yeah. You don't like... Uh, you don't like the things that take what's awful about the world and turn them into a palatable thing. Because for me, when I look at horror, it's such a great... A lot of it's silly and fun. But a lot of it also takes very, very real, horrific things in life. And just like with a lot of other forms of media makes a story and a message about it. Like, uh, the Babadook had some very interesting things to say about depression and about the nature of grief and how to cope with it. And, but like you talk to anybody about it, they're like, Oh, that, that stupid monster movie, whatever. It's like, do you not see what I'm seeing exactly? Well, yeah. Like one of the few books that I could actually get at the school library and I don't think I ever returned it. Um, sorry, more middle school, whatever. <laughs> but, um, was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because I don't, I, there are plenty of iterations of Frankenstein and, and especially like one I watched earlier with Randy Quaid kind of misses the whole point of it. But what the point of that was was showing that this monster was created and he wasn't even the real monster and like I always loved the way that she told it in the book and you could see it from his perspective and you're seeing you know and that's something that I think we all relate to because you know some people you know a lot of these people you know he didn't want to be born he didn't want to do all this like it was a creation and this doctor who who was playing God essentially you know is the real monster and that was what was always interesting to me about that is it was so much deeper and again that's a book and they did did so well with the universal movies and the kenneth bragan one and then you have like that's such a deep story and that's one of the oldest tales but i just think about how horror movies especially in the 80s were almost like the moral center because the people who get killed are usually bad people in whatever way or they're doing something immoral or wrong or whatever i mean because yes you know having premarital sex is not like bad per se but in the 80s like there was different time and like you it could was a different see. time yeah. it was it was that sorrel um aesop's fable sort of morality play of like hey if you transgress then uh then you will be punished um this the the interesting thing about that is because of that a lot of the um I think one of the reasons why people associate a lot of negativity with horror is because it's like, oh, well, look at this needless violence or a lot of times things where it's like it's violence explicitly towards women. And that is something that I I do have a lot of problems with a lot of entries in the genre um, because it's one of those things where it's like these are very problematic tropes of like, oh, yeah, about punishing women for being, you know, who they are or um, punishing them in a way where, you know, their male counterparts aren't going to be punished in that same way or doing rape revenge stories. It's like 
I do have problems with a lot of those other things, but just because there are some bad entries in the genre as a whole, it doesn't mean that there's not value in a lot of the stories out there. Well, yeah, because that's what I'll say, is at least from the... You know, I will say Halloween was always a little bit too much violence towards women. It wasn't always as equal as what I always remember. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. But what I saw with the Freddy and the Jason franchises is that they were usually pretty well equal opportunity killers. Except with Jason, he would never kill children. Because he was a child himself. And that's why Jason was almost like our modern day Frankenstein (laughs) in a way. Um, Because he was created by this, you know whatever force, I mean, whatever franchise you want to go with. There. <laughs> the, the, the studio industry. <laughs> yeah. Like, but that is sort of the thing. And, um, he was always, and he would kill like the guy who was screwing around, like, you know, making jokes yeah. or like, you know, the asshole guy. Like, so he would always go after just anybody doing bad. And usually protagonists who would live in most of the Friday the 13th franchises, other than Tommy, who was a little boy, it was always a girl. Like, yeah. yeah. The, um, that, that's something the final I, girl. I, <laughs> I talked to, um, a, a couple years ago at RTX, uh, I, I went down and I was interviewing, um, one of the stars of one of the shows, but, uh, she also hosts a feminist horror podcast mm. called women in caskets. Ah. Uh, Jen Brown. She is this awesome just an awesome human being in general. But one of the questions I asked, I was like, um, you know, you guys talk about horror from a feminist perspective. Is that difficult because it's not a genre that's always kind to women? And she's like, that's very true. But it's also simultaneously at the <laughs> always putting women at the forefront, yeah. which isn't something you can say about a lot of other genres like action or or comedy. A lot of other things, women take a back seat or are the prize for the male protagonist. Well, because too, when you think about like, I mean, Jason, Tommy was the protagonist in three and then he started out as a little boy so that one you know it was women in just about every other one and even in part six which is my favorite Jason lives like you know Tommy oh. has a new partner <laughs> like that is a woman who of course lives and everything but you have also like the Freddy franchise and Halloween as much as Halloween sometimes was overly violent towards women um, sometimes needlessly Laurie Strode was the uh, threat of protagonist as well as Daniel Harris mm-hmm. who comes in later um, and then you have Heather Langenkamp, and then also, like, you had the Dream Warriors, which were predominantly women. Dream Master wasn't it? Heck yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, it, so it's such an interesting thing for, for a genre where you think it would be constantly putting women down, and some of them are guilty of that, certainly. But uh, in other ways, it puts them at front where they get to be the heroes in a lot of other. Uh, avenues where in other genres they don't get to be like I have a hard time thinking of an action movie off the top of my head where the main character is a woman where she's not sexualized um I think you know Atomic Blonde came out last year and everything like that but like um and we thank goodness for like the Hunger Games and things like that but but like when I was a kid or growing up or even when I was in high school and I was like getting into horror movies, I'd be hard pressed to think of like, quote unquote, strong female protagonists. You go to horror, though. Oh, my gosh. You've got Sydney Prescott. You've yeah. got Nancy. You've got Alice. You've got so many. You've got Ripley. Yeah. You've got so many awesome women. And you just don't get that in other genres. 
Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought up Sidney Prescott because, you know, horror didn't stop in the 80s. I mean, and it's certainly back in the zeitgeist now, but Scream was actually, Kevin Williamson was inspired by one of my favorite movies, Jason Lives, uh, to because it was the first one to really sort of poke fun at the genre, joke about the tropes. And so that's what inspired him to write Scream, which then was sort of what started a resurgence in horror. And like all those movies, it was Sydney and it was Gale. And I, I do love me some Deputy Dewey. I will say he's my first horror crush. <laughs> um, but other than Ash. <laughs> but yeah, like. Well, and he's, uh, I mean, they're both kind of yeah. um, a little bit befuddled. Yeah. But like, in, I like Dewey's a little bit more endearingly so. Ash is a little bit more like parody so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that franchise was so great because I love me Gail Weathers. Like she was such a badass. Like She's fantastic. Yeah, like, and then Sydney too. I mean, that's what I loved about the Scream franchise is, like you say, is it sort of revitalized those things that I grew up loving? And I was still, like, a kid watching that and seeing it. You know, I went to, like, the 20th anniversary screening of Scream and, you know, just amazed me how many people that movie touched. Because some of these people, that was their first introduction to horror and how great a franchise it was. Like, and, you know, to be honest... I would be okay if they made another Scream. I mean, I liked Scream 4. I know some people didn't, but it also brought back like, new female characters. Like, yeah. I liked it. I think um, Scream 4's biggest crime is just that it's written by people who are a little bit out of touch with, yeah. like, the millennial sort of sense. So they're a little bit out of tr- touch with tropes as they are now. That being said, it's still wildly entertaining, and it's still Sydney and Gail and, and you know... A lot of other characters that I've come to know and love doing what they do best, which is kicking the crap out of Ghostface. Yeah, and, and what I love about the Scream franchise is, like, obviously in the first one, the killers are both male, but then, like, later they start getting a little bit more diversity. I mean, uh, spoiler alert, guys, if you haven't seen Scream 2, but this is your fault, because that's the one with Timothy Oliphant, who I love. He, <laughs> he is the killer also with Laurie Metcalf, who was, oh, I mean, so and I love great. how they tied it in. Like, oh, she was Billy's mom, and she, of course she's going to go after Sydney. And I like, love that, like, that. That's a pretty yeah. a pretty big reference to you know the reveal of Jason's mom in the first yeah. Friday the Thirteenth because that was my big complaint. By the time I finally sat down with the original Friday the Thirteenth, is one I knew because I yeah. watched Scream, um, and two I was like, this lady didn't come in until like ten minutes into the final act. How on earth would you have been able to put that together? Like, there was no foreshadowing. She literally comes out of nowhere. (laughs) Well, yeah, and and that's what I'll say. As much as I love the first Friday the 13th, because I'm a big Kevin Bacon fan myself, and, like, it did start this franchise, you, most people don't even realize, like, you didn't even know what was going on. Like, until, like, the (laughs) end of it. Like, it gets so much better. That's why I say parts four and six are the ones to watch. Those are the best ones. I will give the original credit, though. Uh, The actress was definitely not somebody... Like, I think she was known for her her TV comedic role, so it was a surprise when she turned out to be the murderer. And the other thing I will point out is, like, how often do you see a movie where the middle-aged lady is the murderer. Yeah, other than Scream 2. Yeah. Other than <laughs> Scream 2. I am hard-pressed to think of a time. Like, I don't know. I, I'm trying. I, I know that there's one where, like, this lady killed her neighbor or whatever, but, like, yeah. I'm have I'm really hard-pressed to think of examples of, like, where, uh, dun-dun-dun, the mask comes off, and, oh, it's, it's this little mild-mannered little old lady. Yeah, like, I would want to write a horror movie and it, it turns out Betty White is the killer, <laughs> because she's the only surviving golden girl, but... Um, that would be amazing. Yeah. 
Oh, that would be the best. I think she'd do it. It needs to be good. Maybe we'll start on that. Maybe we should combine yeah. the yeah. two uh, working scripts and Betty White is the killer in my horror movie. Yeah, that works. <laughs> She's just that's hanging my out in idea. the middle of nowhere. <laughs> this is me Ben Afflecking your script here. <laughs> um, I wrote a line. Let's win an Oscar. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Ben Affleck. I love you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's so it's one of those things where horror, uh, Scream in particular. Even my roommate who who doesn't like horror movies, Scream is so accessible that like even she likes. I, I remember like getting ready for Halloween a uh, Halloween party one time, and a, and she was like, "Hey, do you mind if we put on Scream?" And I, I did a double take, and I was like, "You mean it?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm so happy. So, Scream is definitely a franchise that's near and dear to my heart, too. But that's that's the thing, is horror encompasses all things. Like, what what happens when you get scared? You you scream or you whatever, and then you laugh. Yeah. Um, because usually you realize there's nothing to be scared of, or it was just a real... Your reaction was really funny, whatever, whatever the case. Usually it's a scream and then a laugh. And a lot of horror embraces that with the comedic elements, the comedic side of horror. But then there are also other horror bits that touch you in ways that a lot of regular conventional dramas don't. And they can make commentary that a lot of dramas won't approach. Uh, and it's, it's just one of those things where you can have fun on so many levels. You can, you can enjoy the shallow, silly stuff, but then there's also the deep-seated stuff yeah. where they tackle real issues and don't necessarily present easy answers either. And that's media that helps you grow as a person. Yeah, like, you know, not to go off of the deep path there, but, like, as you say, like, horror touches in different ways um, and sometimes inappropriately. <laughs> um <laughs> But, yeah, like, the thing is, is what I love is everybody loves Easter eggs. I don't see it nearly as much in just about anything else except for just specific, like, movies that are by the same production company. Horror throws those in from, like, way back. I mean, like, in Scream 3, you have Carrie Fisher, you know, they're like, hey, are you? No. Uh, <laughs> I was up for the part, but I didn't sleep at the direct. Like, her making fun of herself. Or, like, you even have Jay and Silent Bob show up, and <laughs> like, you're like, what is happening? This is even a different franchise. <laughs> what? Um, Does that mean that Clerks and, and Scream take place within the same universe? Yeah, like, it's a huge mindfuck. <laughs> like, and that's what I love. Um, and, too, like, even things like, like Urban Legend, which, you know, didn't spread off on too many like I believe there was only two correct me if I'm wrong because I remember the one with Jennifer Morrison after think, Final Cut but th- which was actually still pretty good but I was, think there were three but I think that yeah. last one was like direct to DVD, DVD. yeah yeah because yeah, that was the thing is I'm like I really enjoyed the first one a lot because I, I have a, uh, I love Michael Rosenbaum who was in it and but that's one thing I'm still mad they didn't kill Jared Leto because every <laughs> I do not like him for whatever reason and I only love movies where he gets his face busted that's how special that movie is because he doesn't die I really liked Urban Legend one it you know it's the same a, a lot of the same voices that did Scream so yeah. like there's a similar style there and kind of not necessarily meta humor, but uh, hyper awareness, I suppose you could say. But the other reason I really liked it is because I loved Urban 
legends. Oh, yeah. Urban legends are something that really fascinate me. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm drawn to horror, too, is because, like, urban legends are a fantastic facet of society. And uh, it's just like, no one knows where these urban legends come from. And how do these scary stories get perpetuated? And which ones are based on real events and things like that? So it was really cool to see a movie, like, take that and, like, run with it. And, again, spoiler alert, Lady is the bad guy! Exactly, that's what I was going to get. And that's what I love, like, because, well... Well, the actress later became a murderer herself, uh, Rebecca Gayhart, but we won't get into that deep, dark story. But um, I did love the joke where it's like, I heard it was the Noxzema girl, where they're even making it an urban legend then, which she was in the Noxzema commercials. And so I always thought that that was one of the funniest bits. It's like, even clever. at the very end, like, they're, like, making it an urban legend. <laughs> like, And it's like, all comes it's back around. The story around. passes from person to person, yeah, and it changes a little bit and takes on a life of its own. It's great. Exactly. And, and like you had that and you had I Know What You Did Last Summer, which I mean was based on a, some books and, and didn't really turn out to be a great franchise, but the first one was interesting. I actually like, I'm not going to say it's a good movie. And what I are you waiting book. for? I'm not going to say it's a good movie, but something about that movie just makes me so ridiculously happy. And again, I think part of it is, again, the production team uh, it has that like scream awareness. But the thing that really tickles my fancy about that movie in particular is that of all of the people they could have hit, uh, you know, uh, while they're, you know, driving around that night recklessly, of all the people they could have hit, they hit the one guy who was walking away from the perfect crime. Mm-hmm. They, uh, talking about like cosmic justice, they enacted cosmic <laughs> justice on that guy. <laughs> and it was, it's just kind of amazing. It's like, holy cow. This guy is sitting, you know, walking down the road going, I just got away with murder. (laughs) Yeah, like, and I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it happened. What was funny about this? I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa. And don't feel good. And then, boom. (laughs) Yeah, and that's sort of the thing is you're like, were they wrong? I mean, yeah, they probably should have called the cops, but it's like, eh, you know. Yeah, here's the thing. The the, the main murder. one that was pressing, like, hey, guys, let's cover this up. He gets punished. Yeah. Um, but, like, that that's the, that's the thing is that you could make the argument that it's not a great movie because it removes any moral ambiguity by, by making them justified yeah. in, in, you know, they're like, oh, it's, it's actually a good thing that they hit him because he's a murderer. And, you know. And that's um, not in the book, by the way. The book yeah. and the movie are honestly very <laughs> different. Completely different things. Um, yeah, no, the, the only thing. I, like I said, I, I get how that takes away from a lot of, like, the potential depth of the story. But honestly, I think it's just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> just this image of Ben going, like, yep, got away with the perfect crime. <laughs> <laughs> and then getting hit by Freddie Prince Jr. That, to me, is hysterical. Yeah, and I will say, I was always a big Jennifer Love Hewitt fan and Sarah Michelle Gellar, so like that was another reason just to love the movie, because these two badass ladies are in it. Yeah, my only complaint about a lot of movies from the late 90s, early 2000s that are horror-oriented is that when Sarah Michelle Gellar is in them, she always dies! Well, she wants to die, apparently, because like... I get it! And two, in Scream 2, she was kind of annoying, so I was a little like, okay, yeah, because she's like, Omega Beta Zeta! Like, I wanted her to die then... 
But for, for me, I'm like, you cast Buffy, the vampire slayer. You cast the chosen one, and you're constantly... I, I guess the closest she comes in terms of, like, horror movie protag heroing outside of Buffy is the grudge. grudge and yeah. even then, because that's where she's the most proactive. But even then, like, it still ends up getting, yeah. getting axed off eventually. Eventually in that franchise. But yeah, and that's sort of the thing, is I had read where she goes, no, I want to die. Like, gruesome, I bloody death. Like, oh, and yeah, to play that, that yeah. yeah. And that's what I liked, is she was like, no, I totally wanted to die. Like, it was way cooler that way. Um, a couple, uh, like, a couple years ago, when I started, when I initially started writing for the movie chick, one of the things I did, talking about Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. was um, there was some a little bit of buzz going around about whether or not he was going to make the Expendables of horror, oh. um, and so I basically did my dream casting for for who he would put into the movie. And one of the I put Sarah Michelle Gellar in, uh, of course, um, and Robert England. I had a couple. Oh, of course. Um, but one of the people I put in was actually Jada Pinkett Smith. You oh yeah. Know why? Woman of color who beats Billy Zane in Demon Knight. Oh yeah. Well, and I love that movie. And then I love like. Scream 2 is actually my favorite because Oliphant's the killer. Um, but her and Omar Epps scene is probably one of the best opening scenes ever. Because, like, you got That's these two powerhouse scene, yeah. actors. And kind of like in the first Scream, it's like, how are we going to top Drew Barrymore getting slung everywhere? Oh, yeah, let's get these badass actors and, like, have them die in the movie, be, like, super, like, her in the movie theater, like, dramatic. That is so badass. I love it. Yeah. That was a fantastic scene. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, um, I think the Drew Barrymore opening is better. It, it's a little but, bit more iconic, yeah. But, like, honestly, that's that's just because it, it hits you right out of the gate, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and, and the surprise of, like, having killed Drew Barrymore. The the thing about the Scream 2 is that you're, you're sort of aware of where this scene is going to be going a little bit because you've already seen the first one. It's, it's not that it's not a well-executed scene. It's just... You really don't know what's what's about to happen, and the pacing and the the tension just keeps getting ramped up and ramped up in that opening scene for for the first one. Um, but yeah, I mean, killed in a crowded movie theater. It's yeah. one of those. It's like it's so preposterous. And yet it happens, and you're just like, how? How did you get away with this killer? Well, yeah, and that was one of the commentaries there, is, like, she's literally dying in front of these people, and they think it's a joke. Like, yeah. they're not even scared. They're like, oh, yeah, like, great. And yeah. you're like, oh, my God. Scream has said on more than one occasion, you horror fans are so desensitized. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why I love it so much, is because it's like, yeah, that's just dark. And it's like, how are you going to top Drew Barry? Moore's death scene. Okay, yeah, like, I can go with that one. She was by herself. We're gonna kill these guys in a crowded room where everyone's watching. Yep. yep. That's a good way to top it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And now you mentioned like the horror expendables. I'm like, okay, definitely like Tony Todd, Kane oh, Hodder. I he, mean, he was on my list. Tony Todd for sure. Well, because there is. Yeah, there is. Can't, can't yeah. say it more than. Oh, Candyman, Candyman. I'm going to risk this. Mm. Are you looking into the black mirror of your computer or the black mirror of the, uh, uh, of the TV? I went to the TV. Like, I'm like, yep. Um, and that's the thing is there's this death house that's coming out that stars like Kane Hodder, Tony Todd, that it's sort of like that in a way. <laughs> but Bruce isn't in it. But it comes out this week. But although this podcast will be airing later. But, yeah, it comes out in um, February 20. 
3rd. So, mm. yeah, like, guys, go see it because you want to support horror. And I know this is a little bit smaller than, say, like, Get Out or whatever. But, you know, looks like a pretty good movie. Huh? I have not heard yeah. of this. That sounds real exciting. Uh, we should have a viewing party. I know. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> now we'll do that. Because, yeah, I want to watch this movie because Richard Spate Jr. is in it, um, from who is Gabriel in Supernatural. So, what's yeah. the premise? Give me the premise, really. Oh, the crap. Like, uh, let me see, because it's like something about prison and whatever. I don't know. I was just like, ooh, these people, horror. You know I'm going to go not, see that. It's I'm not like, a lot I will of read it. horror movie actors. I'm on board. I don't even care what it's about. I'm yeah, that was me. I'm like, I talked about it the other day, but I'm like, it was something about a prison and some people, and like, Dee Wallace is in it who I've had the pleasure of interviewing. She's awesome. And she was in, of course, like, Poltergeist. And then you have, um, <laughs> like, literally every movie. Oh, so talking about Poltergeist. Oh, my gosh. You... Adrian Barbeau. Oh, awesome. The, um, talking about, like, horror movies that really got under my skin. Um, Poltergeist was one of the few, because it was rated PG. You know, I, yeah. a lot of people were scared of Jaws because of that PG rating. Poltergeist was the one for me where I saw that movie as a kid and I stayed up all night because of it. Um, damn clown. That damn clown. And it's really funny. Um, the, the maggot scene. Oh, yeah. Um, that scene to me when I was a kid, that stuck with me. And it's funny because I rewatched it not that long ago. And I was like, I remember this looking a lot realer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's funny. Like, maggots on always gross. But, too, I want to go back and watch that. Because I know when Jason lives, it's real maggots that are falling off Kane Harder's Or, you know, it's actually not Kane Harder in that one. Um, but, yeah, they're falling off him. And you're like, they look real because they were real. But in Poltergeist, I'm like, were they real or did it not look that good? I'm like, oh. Well, I, it was just the guy ripping his face off to oh, me yeah. that, like, really Ooh. stuck with me. But, like, um... But then again, like the not all of the effects hold up, and I'm yeah. I'm definitely one of those proponents of like if you can go practical, please go practical. Uh, but that is a practical effect that does not hold up. Yeah, and that's the thing is I'm like now I have to watch it, and I <laughs> did get the description during an exclusive tour, a power breakdown inside a secret prison. I knew there was something to do with prisons, <laughs> known as the Death House, since two agents fighting through a labyrinth of horrors while being pursued by a ruthless army of prisoners it's like yeah pretty cool pretty cool all right now without further ado my first five star review here from the lovely tanya Lindsay, who i believe has followed me from the x-files after show and the legends of tomorrow and has always been supportive and i i just want to personally thank you for that um you know, I feel like one day you will come to L.A. and I will buy you dinner. You are such a lovely person. But here's your review. Love it. Five stars. Hey, Lucretia, I just listened to your podcast with Dave. It was super funny. And I cannot wait to check the others. I really do hope you get Frank and Lex on your podcast. That would be so much fun. You were such a joy. Thanks, Tanya. All right, Tanya. Here, I know I really appreciate your review. But if we want Frank and Lex on this podcast... We, we have to tweet them. So tweet at Happy Go Jackie and at the Lex Michael what they can come up with the bright side of because that's their problem is they've said to me, they don't, they're, you know, they're not the bright side guys. So we have to help them out as us positive ladies. Okay, Tanya. All right. Thanks so much. 
All right. And if you, too, would like a shout-out, there are two ways you can do that. You can uh, leave a five-star review like Tanya there, and I'll be sure to read it on air just like that. Or I do have, unfortunately, a crowdfunding account because I, I bring this to you guys for free. I do this on my own time, and I want to keep being able to do it. And, you know, it, rent's expensive here in L.A., and as much as I hate to do this, I feel like, you know what? Why not? Even Adam Carolla does it right, guys. So if you go to Patron, that's Patron, P-A-T-R-O-N dot Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash Mrs. Brightside, basically just like it says on the podcast you're hopefully listening to right now. You can find that, and if you donate an amount of money there, you can uh, receive a shout-out as well. Uh, you'll get a little bit of a personal thank you from me. And then to one lucky person, once I get to uh, 300 there, we'll get a gift box I have that's full of all sorts of nerdy goodies. You know, I get to go to a lot of conventions and things, and I get to pick up a lot of cool exclusive stuff. So I thought, you know what, why not make a gift basket for you guys? If you help me out, I'll help you out. You know, quid pro quo, Clarice. Sorry, this was the horror podcast. I had to get weird. See you guys next Tuesday, and thanks for listening.